Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. to the MVP cast from me Mockwoods thank you so much as always for joining us just a reminder if you want a regular digest of exclusive news and insights and features from around British basketball direct into your inbox subscribe to our newsletter the post up you can get that by heading to mvp247.com go to the newsletter page and subscribe today now our guest in this edition is one of the BBL's biggest names over the past decade he's frequently red hot occasionally sizzling Occasionally a model in his spare time, we might talk about that. He is the captain of the Surrey Scorchers, Teo Ogadengbe. Welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, 5,000 BBL championship points. How does that sound? Um, <laughs> unreal, to be honest. I never thought um, that would happen. Um, didn't even think I was on track to get that far. But um, I'm just, I guess I feel really blessed and humbled and honoured and all of that good stuff. Uh, to be in position I am and to still be playing and still be playing at a decent level. How much were you aware of that milestone? How much are you tracking these things? Because it, it's the BBL. We don't have like stats sitting on a website you know, waiting for us. I mean, did you know these things are coming up? No, I had no idea. So I got a message from Dan Routledge um, a couple of weeks ago and he, he actually informed me that I was on track for it. Probably then I was like one point away from it or something like that. So that's the first time when um, I was aware of it. Uh, so I went to have a look to see, and he was right. So um, yeah, I don't. I, it's hard to keep track of of that, especially in the span of my career. But it's definitely something that I'm I'm proud of, and um, and I'm happy that I'm able to reach that and still be going as well. I mean, I was watching the the, the commentary from our good friend Nal Gray, and you know, obviously, we talk about milestones and we talk about recognizing these things. But you know, does it feel like a sense of achievement that night when you go home after that game and and you can sort of look back on what it took to get there? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, obviously, uh, our record at the moment is is not the best, um, <laughs> and that always comes first for me. Obviously, winning always comes first. Um, which is probably how I've got to those points because I'm always trying to do what I can for my team to be successful. But um, during the game, when it was said, it didn't really mean anything to me at that point um, until I got home and, and and people messaged me and I saw I saw a lot of love on socials from everybody. And at that point, then it dawned on me like, oh, this is actually something to be proud of and it's actually something... Um, that has been recognised, and and that, then I took a couple of minutes to think about it and look back and see how far I've come and the progress I've made and and the improvements. So yeah, I had a little moment to myself, and then and then got back to it. I mean, it's seven seasons now in, in Surrey. I mean, you you, you have, have become for better or worse Mister Scorchers alongside Creon, I guess. Um, <laughs> and how much do you, I guess, feel a stake? in what happens in Surrey in terms of, you know, the franchise and, and everything that goes on there, I guess, both on and off the court? Oh, almost a hundred, a hundred percent. I think I'm fully involved in, in, in everything that happens and I, I witness everything that happens at, at a high level. So, um, I take pride in that as well. I take pride in being, um, 
being part of the the, the, the back door staff and uh, the front office staff and and doing what I do on the court as well. So I'm very proud to be a part of the organisation um, and to be fully invested in it and to be um, one of the recognisable faces of the organisation. It means it means quite a bit to me, which is why I've never. Um, decided to go elsewhere. I've decided to plant my roots here and try and make the team as successful as, as it can be. Because not everyone will be entirely aware of this this rule behind the scenes that you have. I mean, give us a flavour. What's what's the job description? What what in practice does it involve in a a weekly basis? Apart from obviously turning up and playing the games, which is the bit that we all see. Um, well, obviously, first firstly, I'm a basketball player, and that's my main my main role and what I put first. Um, but there's other things I do is helping helping uh, push the team in a basketball direction, in a professional direction, um, just bringing some experience to the to the office, um, helping out where I can. We've got a great team. We've got a great GM here. Obviously, Creon knows what he's doing in terms of being in the office and being on court. So it's just helping out and giving that player's perspective um, from 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 anything really, it could be travel arrangements, it could be kit designs, it could be um, sponsorships. It could, it could so it's it, that they've tried to give me a title, but um, I don't really fit in. I don't really fit in. I've taken a couple of titles since I've been here. I don't really fit into any of them because I touch a lot of things. So um, yeah, it's just it's just. Uh, given my insight where I can and, and and help push the team forward really so what what are these titles they've tried to give you um, I've been an ambassador I've been head of strategic partnerships nice. I've been uh, quite a few I can't, I can't remember now I've been quite a few so as the years go on and I go to different uh, departments in the office um, it's just we just uh, switch it around depending on who I'm, who I need to talk to or things like that. You need to aim for a vice president. That's always useful. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Sounds very basketball-like. Um, yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, busy life will do, you know, off the court as well. You've got, I mean, you, you and your wife, crazy. Three kids under six. I mean, it's surprising yeah. that you can you can pick up the energy to uh, to play basketball. How is that juggling act? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard and... Um, I've got to give a lot of credit to my wife, obviously, because I'm at practice majority of the time, and she still holds down running the company and uh, sorting everything out with the kids. So she gets a lot of credit for it. But it's hard, but it's it brought a different kind of motivation along when um when the kids came because probably my whole life I've been playing for myself and to 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 do right by myself but now these three little boys are here and they look up to pretty much everything I do on a basketball court so it's an added motivation and it keeps me at a higher standard they're the first ones to come come to me when I get through the door after a game and tell me whether I played good or whether I played bad so I know I've got a, I've got them critiquing me um, so yeah it's, it's an added motivation and I try to balance it as well as I can but reality of life is sometimes I'm tired and sometimes I have to take a couple of extra days to rest or or the kids are up early, but that's that's just life. And um, I've managed to keep it quite balanced and find find the time and find 
um, the energy to do what I have to do. Did you ever find the extra pressure? Because I know speaking to other athletes, it's some personal experience as well. You know, when you have a kid, particularly when you're in a sport which isn't isn't making you a millionaire overnight, I mean, does it mm. put that more pressure of, you know, I need to get the, you know, make sure I renew the contract, play well enough, you know, keep plan for the future and all that kind of stuff? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. But um, I think that comes along with kids anyway. I think you need some stability around you when you have kids they need stability so you automatically start looking around you and trying to find what you can make stable um and i've been lucky with uh the scorchers that um i've had the opportunity to be stable and not move around um uh every summer and not worry about where i need to play they've always welcomed me year after year after year um but then that motivates me as well. There's a lot of people I don't want to let down, including myself. So I try and keep my 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 playing performance as high as it can be. I try to keep my fitness as high as it can be. I try to do those little things around me to um, stay as professional as I can and still produce on the court and still try and be the best leader I can. So I think when you have kids, I think you recognise that a lot more. There's a lot more at stake and you need the stability um, so it's almost you go into a autom- like an automatic drive and you make things happen and, and you get stuff done. You, you've always been quite vocal and obviously mm. more so for the past year on this, the subject of, you know, of racism and equality. Mm. But you were three kids that young. I mean, TJ's five, it's Remy and Rio three and one still, if I'm correct yeah. that. Um, I mean, obviously they're, mixed race kids we should we should paint that picture but what's yeah. the conversations particularly in a sport that's you know so visible in this in a, in, in a sense but what's the conversations that you have with them around this topic already um i think these are daily 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 conversations that we have with our kids and it's something that we don't really shy away from and we want to make sure that they're aware of um the differences, their differences, other people's differences, and making sure that they understand that it's not an issue or there's nothing wrong with it. We we take steps. There's a lot of books we have at home to make sure they understand that people are different, people look different, and that's fine and you're going to encounter people. But I also want them around people that look different or different cultures or different ways of life. So I feel that builds people in general anyway, traveling and seeing different things. I feel that's what really creates people and creates human experiences as well. And um, that's really important to us. We try and get them out of the country, get them to see other cultures. We put books around them that have different people in them. Um, the school that, that TJ goes to at the moment is really multicultural. Um, and we're in the process of moving, so we're trying to keep him at that school because we're moving to a predominantly white area. So we're uh, in the process of doing what we can to keep him at that school because we really like um, that it's multicultural, that there's different cultures there, different people there. Um, And I think that's important. Um, I think at a young age, if you are accepting of everybody, it kind of will will be the early stages of eradicating any of those biases but also um them being aware that there are people that will have the the, 
the biases and there could be situations that they could be put in where people don't like them because of these biases. So explaining these things to them, explaining um, in 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 easy to take ways and steps, things that I've been through, things that me and my wife have been through, um, it helps and they get a picture and they get a picture of the world and they understand what, what they're going into, even at five uh, and three. Uh, Rio, not so much at one, he's still... Um, uh, sleep and eating and, uh, and using the, <laughs> the other thing and, yeah and doing other things so he, he doesn't get it yet but definitely at three um, you get the questions uh, so you, you just fill them with in, as much information and give them as much as much hope and make sure they they love who they are and they love the skin that they're in and you leave the rest the world the world will, will do the rest for you I mean, you're you're involved in this new Players Voice initiative that the BBL and Kieran Dachara in particular have, have put together, which you know is is designed to, to, as it says, to give more of a voice to the players, but not just in the way the league is being run, which is one of the inputs, but also to to try and come up ways that a bit like NBA cares, I guess, that players can have an impact and and be part of a conversation and be part of the community. I mean, on that on that issue of you know, equality and racism, what do you think there is a role for basketball players, you male and female in this country, you know, coming from a diverse sport in which you know connects with a lot of people in the black community in particular, but you know, not exclusively so. Um, what's that voice and that 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 message going to look like? Do you think? Um, I think it's really important that we have that voice and we have that message because there are a lot of individuals out there um, that need role models and I think role models are very important um, I think I think probably every um, grassroots or junior athlete or now pro athlete would have had a role model or someone that they looked up at to whether they looked like them or didn't someone that they looked up to and someone that they saw and thought mm, maybe one day I can do that or maybe one day I can be like them so setting those those visions and those goals early on I think it's really important um, so it's great what Kieran, or, Kieran and the BBL are doing by putting these things in place um, for, for that to happen and it will like you said it will benefit the people that are in maybe deprived areas that don't have that um, and that's where I feel like um, it will have a big impact in those kind of areas where people um, don't have much. But um, you, I feel like if you give somebody hope, you give somebody a bit of a dream, a role model, a vision, and that can go a long way. So um, I'm, I'm hoping to help to play a part in that and do whatever I can to push that forward. Um, and it's great that the BBL are doing that. Um, it should probably should have been done a while ago by now um, but it's it's good and I hope it progresses and gets bigger and bigger I mean are you hoping as well I mean the other side as we mentioned is having an input and I guess more of a stake in, in the BBL and how it looks and feels as a, as a league I mean, what do you you know you're asked that question how can we be better how can the league be better how can we improve it you know, for, for players and, and and everyone else what's what's the thoughts at the moment with with how you look at the BBL as now and how you'd like it to be 
I definitely feel like um, we're slowly, slowly going in the right direction. I definitely feel like um, asking players questions about the league is a, is a good step. Um, and it should have been done a long time ago. Um, and let's move that forward. Let's not just ask players about the league. Let's put players in a position to make decisions about the league. Because I think B the BBL is such a unique league that unless you've played in it or been a part of it somehow, you don't really understand uh, how it's how it's run, the things that happen, the good and the bad of it. So I think people that have had that experience, the, the Kirin Acharas, the people like that, <clears throat> that have been through the league and understand and um, are able to put input and try and make the league better. I think that for me, that would be the logical step bringing these people in in roles of whether it's management or decision-making roles um, or even just bringing, bringing people to the table when decisions are being made. I think that was one of the things I first tried to put forward to um, to the BBL is when, when, when these meetings are taking place and you guys are making decisions about the league that we play in, let's have someone there that represents the players that can say, oh, maybe it's not a good idea for us to have two, three games back to back, or maybe it's not a good idea for um, this to be put out. You know, those kind of those kind of things. I think it'd be good to have um, people with with experience and knowledge um, on the area to uh, to help make these decisions. I mean, you've you've said spoken in the past. We've chatted about this idea of having a players' association, players' union, as there was. 25 30 years ago and you know when i've had conversations with with people are you know around the league in different clubs i mean the subject always comes up it's tricky because we've got a lot of quite transient americans who'll come in for a year or two and won't necessarily feel that they want to pay towards this but also the, as you said the player's voice having a stake and having maybe a kind of unified voice I mean, yeah do you still think that union is is an element of this that needs to come? I think if the league wants to get to where it, where it should be, where it needs to be, I think we definitely need to have some form of union um, set up, um, whether it's now or whether it's later. There definitely needs to be some sort of some sort of structure there that um, deals with all the, the nuances and the small issues that players have, um, just for player safety, number one, and and um, player care, I think there needs to be something set up um, moving forward. Now it, it's for the people that make these decisions to figure out how how it's run and how it's beneficial for everybody um, because like you said there are issues with with um, with, with uh, money, people getting paid and Am I going to put this a certain amount of money towards this um, for my check? Um, and then you've got Americans who are here on short-term contracts, uh, normally nine-month contracts, um, some making different very varied amounts. So, so I've then asked them to put a, a significant amount of that money into a pot for a union. It's hard. There's a lot of things that need to be um, addressed with the union. But I think moving forward, is it's definitely something that needs to be in place for the 
to keep the league as professional it can as, as it can be. When you say you said the league's moving forward, and you've been in this league now for for a decade, I mean, but yeah. Do you think this is the best it's it's been in that period, or what? You know, what's what's the positives and what's still needs mm, to come? I think um, I think I find with my frustration with the league is there's positives, um, and then sometimes we seem to take a couple steps back. Um, and I feel like that's become the the consistent um, in in the BBL. I feel like there's been big push forwards in terms of the sky and in terms of diff- different um, investments that have come in. Um, and then sometimes some investments can go missing. Um, and I just I want to get us to get to a point where the minimum is the minimum. And we're not dropping below that. Obviously, we see the situations that happen with Plymouth and the situations that happen with Worcester. Um, and I felt like those situations this season brought us below our minimum. And I, 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 I hate to see those kind of situations happen. And I, I want them to just be a consistent, a consistent level, and then for us to keep growing from there and never um, return back from that. And and a lot of things need to be put in place with that. Obviously investment uh, is 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 a massive one and i know things are happening at the moment to uh to help with that but um that that's that's my thing in the time i've been in the bbr it's been a long time now from my first year at capitals um i've seen a lot of things happen in terms of teams falling teams folding money coming in money going out um TV deals, uh, kit deals. I've seen, I've seen pretty much everything. Um, so I just want, I want to see something consistent and a base level that we're not going under. Um, and I, to, to, for the league to ever be at a point where it's, it's not able to run, um, is disappointing, and I don't want it to ever get to that point. Um, so yeah, that's. That's what I kind of think on, on the subject. Just to get get it to, uh, it could be a financial strong point where it's not, it's not nothing's really going to shake it. But I know that that takes a lot of time and investment. So, yeah. So if someone comes in, seven seven seven, cuts you a mm. chunk of that's seven million or whatever it is into the BBL mm. and says you go and spend it where you think it would have the most effect. Where do you put it? Where do I put it? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. And I'm probably not the right person for the answer on that question, but <laughs> I will answer it anyway. Um, I think, I personally think TV is massive for us. I think trying to get as many t- uh, TV games as we can is important. Um, and then after that, I would go into... I know I'm a player, so it's probably only right that I say it, but um, into um, player salaries, um, getting talent on the court, as much talent as we can, um, making teams deeper, because um, I feel like the kind of league we have with good players, the rest the rest will be done. Like if, if people are able to see good players in terms of TV and then we have good slash great players uh, one through down to 15 that can only lead to great games and then um, the trickle down effect can happen so 
those would probably be my key key things and after that I would look at marketing I'd look at who what are we doing with marketing who what what are we putting out there how much are we putting out there um yeah those would be my first three things um and I, I with I'd like to think I'm on the right track but um again it's not my field it's not my specialized speciality so but those from my experience those are three three things that I'd probably hit head first and you look back to your development and you're you're a product of Alien Tornadoes and obviously you spent some time at the Canary S Academy in Spain as well. Yeah. How did, when you look back now and how you developed and how you then had to develop as a player, I mean, how well do you think that worked for you? That combination of, you know, a little bit of British flavour, sort of typical sort of small programme, but, you know, factor programme, a little bit of overseas, different kind of basketball. That combo, was it effective for you? Um, I feel like it was, definitely. I feel like when I started playing basketball, um, I was kind of like a sponge and I soaked up as much as I could from my junior coaches at Elon Tornadoes <laughs> at London Towers. I tried to soak up as much as I could from them. Um, but when I went over to Spain, it was a whole different ball game. Like the level at which you're expected to play and your skill level and the things you're supposed to do. So it kind of boosted my work ethic to get to that. And um, I think you need that. I think you need, as a, as if you want to grow at anything, I think you need to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. And it was definitely uncomfortable for me when I was in Spain. It was something that I'm not used to. I'm not used to waking up at five, six in the morning and running sand dunes um, and having three practices, having three practices a day on top of that with a Spanish lesson in between. Um, so it was definitely a shock to the system. So um, I think you need to be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you're trying to develop something and learn something new. Um, and that's definitely what um, Grand Canary did for me. I went from practicing maybe twice to three times a week, getting the bus to go practice, to now being um, in a dorm, living with, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten other players, and waking up and eat, sleep, and drinking basketball pretty much all the time, and that was the culture they had there. And um, my coach there was um, he was ex um, UNLV coach, so it was a bit of both worlds. I got a little bit of the American um, flavor um, combined with spanish spanish basketball so i really enjoyed my time there and it really helped my development and helped me understand where i need to be to to play basketball i mean people always look at you as, as you know one of those players who you know didn't go to the states um and has been largely sort of british based with you know one year overseas but and i didn't this had always eluded me until i looked up your incredibly helpful wikipedia page today it said that you went to temple university you know famous basketball school in philadelphia for for three months according to wiki then you came home tell us the story yeah so um obviously my once my parents figured out that i wanted to do this this basketball thing properly as they kept saying um they were like well where where can i get the most out of it so um, we took a trip we just got on the plane and we took a trip to america we didn't know anybody I had an uncle out there in New Jersey um, and he had booked me a couple of appointments to see, to see Temple University and see the coaches. 
So I literally headed out there, um, got a meeting with the coach and practiced with them for about, it was the summer term, so about a month and a half. And in that time, they really liked what they saw. They saw the progression um, and they saw um, what I could do. So they then offered me a half scholarship. So bearing in mind, I had entered the country in a three-month visiting visa, um, so which was running out. Um, so they offered me a half scholarship, but at the time, it was still around 20K, and my parents just didn't really have that kind of money lying around. So it was a situation um, where we just came back home and it kind of fell flat after that. And I just looked at other avenues of playing basketball. So it was a little bit disappointed at the time. But at the time, I also really felt like I wasn't ready for that kind of... I'd only been playing for a couple of years. Um, I was still raw. I couldn't do a lot of things on the basketball court. So um, I think everything really happens for a reason. So I don't really think I was ready for that kind of... Um, level at the time so yeah I think everything happens for a reason you had one season overseas in, in France with Calais and it went you know, very well you were all star in the division and um, and then came back um, was there any regrets about it or why just the one and done what 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 was good and what was bad about it um, I loved my time in Calais and um, I was really treated well Um I think looking back at that time now also, I think um, they really wanted me to come back, but I was in the, I was young. I was in the mindset of, I really want to climb the ladder. I really want to take my basketball as far as I could go. Um, and the team at the time, Kelly, they were really happy with being in, in the league that they were in and they had done okay. And they, we were kind of like a mid table team um, I had made, like you said, I had made All-Star that year, so they really pushed me to, to bring me back. Um, and they had made me a, 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 a pretty decent offer. But um, being young and be, <laughs> being um, hopeful and all of that stuff, I was really hoping to get an offer from a higher league or a better league um, or a better division in, in um, France as well. So I, I held up on that offer and I waited and I waited and I waited till the last minute to see if something was going to come through and it just simply never came through. Well, things came through, but nothing nothing um, better than that really came through. So I don't really regret not taking the offer because it I'm still in a good place and I still like the way, the, the way my career panned out. But... Um, it's one of those things that it's part of basketball. You you make these choices, you make these decisions, and you you uh, move forward from them. I really enjoyed my time there, and I, I still I'm in contact with a lot of people that I played with there, a lot of the management there. So um, yeah, is it more a case that you would have regretted if you'd never done that? What gone overseas or yeah. take it? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I definitely needed to go and prove to myself that I could play in a different country um, at a high level. Um, and then once I had done that and been successful at it, um, I wanted more. I wanted to go higher and I wanted to do a bit more. So maybe I bit off a little bit more that I could chew at the time. Um, but the basketball market as well is very it's a rough place to be in, in, in those summer months. Um, 
So I think, I think I wouldn't say I regret it, but I do wonder sometimes what would have happened if I just uh, stayed steady and stayed with the team and tried to to move up with them. There's not many people can say they didn't go that far from home to play overseas. I mean, you couldn't have picked someone mm. much closer. Yeah, so, yeah. I yeah. literally used to take my car over, drive in the in the ferry, and go go to and from. So it was it was it was it was pretty convenient. I thought you were about to say, and I took the train to work every morning and then came back to <laughs> no, no, Surrey no, or no. something. <laughs> um, that would be extreme. Off the court. Um, obviously, you've, you've, you've got a few parallel careers. Let's talk about a few of them. Um, still doing any modelling? Um, from time to time, I get the call to do a little bit here and there. Um, I think what was the last thing I did? I did a... Um, I did a Eurobasket, um, the, the title shots for the Eurobasket not so long ago, um, with a couple other B-Bitter players actually. Um, and I, I feel like that stuff's good, um, just expanding your portfolio, meeting other people. Obviously, when you, unless you do modelling at a high, high level, um, it's never really going to be full-time. Um, so it worked pretty well that I had um, the spare the spare hours here and there to go and do things. But at the moment now with with um, kids and stuff, I don't really have the spare time. It involves, to do that on the side, like on the side, it involves a lot of castings, going into London. So having having that spare time when I was young, it was good. And a lot of things were coming, coming through and coming my way. So, and I really enjoyed it. It really expanded my portfolio. I met a lot of people. I mean, it was good. It was a good thing to make um, some quite decent extra money on the side to be honest what's the best modeling gig you ever had oh um so i've done a few um i've done some for o2 which was really good um most the best ones probably have been i've done like three or four for nike i've been part of um a while back they had a, a product called the fuel band which was basically similar to like a sports watch that you used to wear around your wrist so I helped them launch that. I um, miss I fuel bands. I had that fuel band until yeah. it died a death. They were great. <laughs> yeah, they were they were pretty good. Um, so yeah, probably probably the night ones I've done. Um, I've been on the side of uh, uh, the staples, the staple sellers for a cause light advert. Um, so I've done a few that have been pretty big, and I always get people messaging me here and now even some of my photos are still used now and i get people that are either at airports or open programs at nba games and they see my face and then i get a message so that's quite cool at the moment so blazing a trail for the kofi josephs of the new generation <laughs> kofi's done awesome i really love what he's done he's really uh, got some um some high level uh modeling stuff on these but so it's really good it's never off our tv screens whether it's mini adverts or commonwealth games or whatever else he's doing these days in between scoring <laughs> lots of points which you know it's nice to have exactly. back in the bbl um I mean, the other thing that you do um you're an ambassador for centerpoint um, yes which is for people that know is a very admirable homeless charity um what was yes. the interest there so um there's a story behind this so when i was younger um, it was during my time of playing basketball, actually. There was a period that I was homeless um, 
it was due to my parents relocating um, and me not getting on with um, someone else that was I was staying with a family member. So there was was a period of time that I was homeless. So I ended up um, getting in well, not getting in contact. I ended up being put in contact with Centerpoint. And I actually lived under Centerpoint um, accommodation for, I think, a whole year. Um, and they really uh, kind of changed my life in a way. They helped me um, get my own um, place. Um, they really set me forward in terms of understanding finances and stuff like that. Um, um, this was just before, maybe two years before, I actually started making any money from basketball, so I was in a, I was in a rough place. I was still at university, so I was trying to juggle university with being um, homeless. Um, so um, they came at a good time, um, and they they work with young people, and they help young people that are either going through stuff that can affect um, their accommodation or any kind of situation like that. Um, so once I, <clears throat> obviously I left there, they helped me get a place and I left there and I kind of never got in contact with them. I never needed to get in contact with them again. Um, so obviously, mm, I think it was maybe three or four years ago, um, I reached um, out to them um, and I just said that um, I had been part of their, um, uh, their scheme and I had been part of their organization when I was younger then they reached back to me and said um would I like to be an ambassador and like tell my story so I've told my story to some of their um the young kids that they have and um, done a few things for them so it's something I'm really proud of um with uh, Center Point being able to help them and, and talk to talk to the young to the young kids that are part of their their organization and when you're talking to them what's What's the kind of main, I guess, life lesson or experience that you, you like to illustrate to them? Um, most of the time, a lot of these kids are going through something. Um, and I think when you're going through something, it's really important that you understand that you're not always going to be going through that thing that's got you down. Um, so, and I think I'm kind of an example of that. So I try and like help them see that at the moment you're down, but this this won't last forever. And there's ways of getting out of this uh, through Centerpoint and through people's help. There's there's people out there that can help you get through whatever you're going through. Um, a lot of them, some of them have uh, family issues. Some of them have drug issues. Some of them um, have um, kids while they're really, really, really young. So um, there's different issues that they're all facing. Um, so just to hear that it's not a lifelong experience for them, I think it, they appreciate that and it helps them get through the situation they're in. Very, very admirable. Um, 34 years young. Have you thought about <laughs> what happens when the the ice baths and the uh, everything else don't work anymore and you've got to pack this in? Yeah, I think about that a lot at the moment, thinking about that a lot. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a number of things that I have on my mind that I want to do. Um, some of them are in play already. It's just about, um, for me, I feel like it's just about finding something that I'm, I'm passionate about and, and 
and that gives me, um, I wouldn't say the same reward, but gives me, gives me um, the same feeling that basketball does. And I know that's tough, and I know that's not going to be easy. Um, currently, um, me and my wife, we actually run our own company. Um, so we have our own teams, and I have my own teams, and that's starting to grow, and that's I'm starting to get a real passion for that. So um, that's one of the avenues I might look to go into, um, and we just I'm just taking it every day as like every every day at the moment, um, step by step. I'm still playing, so that takes still takes up a lot of my time, um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not fully sure which avenue I'll go into yet, um, but I'm just taking every day as it comes at the moment. Uh, you've got three young males to feed for a good few years yet, yeah. so you, yeah, yeah. you need the cash. Let's, let, yeah, let's yeah. put it in those terms. Yeah. That's the main thing, yeah. <laughs> well, I know whatever you do, you'll be a success. Um, if you want to Thank follow Tao you. on Twitter, you can get him at Tao Tweets. Um, Tao, I should actually find it before you go. It's not been a great start for the Scorchers. How are things no, looking? It hasn't. Um, well, at the moment, we're dealing with a few issues. We've got injuries, um, <clears throat> which came uh, at the wrong at the wrong time, obviously, as we were embarking on the league campaign. I think we had a decent, a decent um, cup run. Um, again, injuries uh, didn't allow us to progress as far as we wanted to. Um, but at the moment, we're trying to uh, stay healthy and we're trying to, to put a team on the court that can compete um, uh, for the for the league for the league standards. So it's, it's it's hard at the moment. We've got um, our American point guard Stanley Davis is um, injured and he's been injured for the last two weeks. Um, we've got a concussion with our uh, shooting guard as well. Um, and we're waiting on um, a new signing to come through soon. I don't know if I just leaked that, but probably. But we're waiting on a new signing to come come through soon. So we are at our minimum at the moment. So um, it's a bit of a rough time, um, but sometimes it is with, with us over here. So we do what we can and we try and produce um, a competitive team to put on court. Sorry. you'll be back next year for season eight whatever doesn't matter it's always another one <laughs> anyway too always a pleasure and um, thanks for stopping by the mvb cast and um have a great season rest of season yeah. and yeah all these enterprises yeah. We're, yeah still remember us when you've made millions uh, i'll try to thanks too that's it for this edition of the mvp cast if you've not subscribed well, why haven't you but you can do so via your podcast provider full details at mvp247.com and that's also where you can find our patreon page to support the work that we do or if you want to listen to the previous editions of the podcast including our recent ones with Dwayne Lotier Ogunleye or Bennett Cook you can head to the website and stream them there as well or if you want to reach out to me find me on twitter at Mark Brittball another edition coming very soon but for me Mark Woods thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye.